We've been having an incre- incredible time. I wanted um, Craig to come up here for two seconds. Come on up here and share the exact testimony you shared with me at, at we, were, we were sitting down. Because like last week, you heard from Terry, and you heard how God has revolutionized her life in so many ways. And I want you to just, I want you to be able to rejoice. We had public repentance, right? People came and repented for five hours. And I want you to start seeing, too, that your progress becomes evident to all, okay? So I want you to hear some of the things. But just come up here, Craig. Don't think about it too much, you know. Um, but I... Yeah, so I was, uh, I can't get too much information because of uh, my work, but um, I was at work the other day, and I had my Antioch school book out studying um, the essentials of Christianity, and, the, um, and somebody asked me, they were like, what are you studying? I'm like, oh, I'm studying to get my ministry degree. And he's like, oh, you're that guy. I'm like, yeah, I'm that guy. He goes, he goes all, the, all the inmates are talking about you. I'm like, talking about me? And they're like, yeah, how you used to be an a-hole. But now you're a completely different person and that you're actually a good guy. And he's like, he's like God has literally transformed your life. And I'm... But, but he highlighted, he's like, yeah, all, all the inmates are talking about you, literally talking about you. There's no other way that somebody can get transformed like that into what you are now. And I sat back and I'm like, whew, man, that's, that's powerful. That's powerful. So I, I even real, so I don't even realize, not just by preaching the gospel, not even just by sharing good words to people and praying everybody, but by just following the teachings of Christ, literally following the teachings of just being a genuine Christian, I'm changing people's perspectives on things. Just living it out effectively, not even trying to live it out, but by just loving Christ live in me and being that light in a dark place. Like you could, I could say all these like imagery things, but man, when you truly follow the principles of Christ, and it's evident to everybody around you. So I want to encourage all of you guys, man, like come on, dig deeper into the word and, and actually understand what his teachings are and live them out effectively. Because you guys can transform everybody around you. And if your family and friends, if you want to evangelize your parents and your kids and your sons, live out the faith in front of them. Live it out. And then the evidence will be known. It's so true. Oh, wow. It's so true. You know, we like, we work so hard at getting... Um, and, you know, like, like we have this apologetics thing coming up. That's going to be powerful because we need to fill, we need to arm ourselves with every good tool to win souls. And, but but the, one of the greatest things we can do is allow our hearts to be transformed by the living God. And that testifies greater than any miracle you could possibly witness with your eyes is seeing someone who changes after years of being a certain kind of person, you know? And so, and that's the best advice for your marriage. You know, you, you know, have trouble with your spouse. Well, live as a glorious Christian individual who is being changed from glory to glory, faith to faith. And I'm telling you, people will be astounded. It is a powerful thing. Stop listening to people's words and let them see. Stop trying to convince. Let them see transformation in your heart. Let them see it. Come on, Cy. I hear you over there, brother. (laughs) So we've been talking about, for the past few weeks, about building a stronghold of the Lord in your life. You know, for you to stop sinning is not the goal. 
The goal is that you develop this stronghold of the Lord that demonstrates the living God. Your life becomes a signpost, an expression of the living God. He is alive. He is moving. He is working. Right? That is what we're after. And I love that go forth quote. It says, if revival is being withheld from us, it is because some idol remains still enthroned. Because we still insist in placing our reliance in human schemes. Because we still refuse to face the unchangeable truth that it is not by might, but by my spirit. I just thought that was so incredible. Fire. You know, and that's, that's what we really want to go after today. We want to talk out of Galatians 5. And I just, I've just been so overwhelmed by the fact that we are a people who need to repent of doubt and unbelief. Now, it's not doubt and unbelief of certain Christian doctrines. It's, it's doubt and unbelief of how great God is and the fact that he wants to change our lives and that we can begin to walk as superhuman testimonies of God's glory and his power, that we can preach the gospel by being transformed, by dying to our old way of doing things and letting Christ renew us and transform us. Oh, come on. Let's go there, Sean. Okay, I will. You know, we boast of the greatness of God, yet falter when the slightest trial comes. We boast of the power of forgiveness, but yet we struggle to forgive our brother sister. We know the scripture If we don't forgive you, you won't be forgiven. We boast of power of the Spirit, but are paralyzed when it comes to obeying God and stepping out in faith because we're afraid. We preach unity, then take opportunity to feed strife and remind everybody of our entitlements and their faults. We live compartmentalized in our thinking. This is my little monologue to tell you why this message is so important today. Because we have some serious problems in the Big C Church and in in our church. We have a long way to go and grow, right? We live compartmentalized thinking. Now, that in itself is, is unbiblical, okay? We aren't a different person in different places. We live compartmentalized thinking that faith can be separate from our everyday life. That faith is a private thing when it's a public thing. That our faith is separate from who we are when we socialize. Faith is separate from business. Faith is separate from relationships. That faith is separate from school. Faith is separate from citizenship. The way we live in our country and interact with our government, well, that's separate. No, it's not. You are one person. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And in every aspect of your involvement and participation, everything you do, every breath you take, you are walking as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, preach. Come on. Come on, preach. It's like it is, he is the center of our culture. Us, you and I as a believer, Christ becomes the center. We go so far in our individualism and compartmentalization that we believe we don't need church or the family of God. We can just follow Jesus in our own way. That, my friends, is a lie. It's the furthest thing from the truth in Scripture. For those of you taking essentials, I believe that a creed is warranted in our day to challenge individualism. It has become just as bad as Gnosticism. 
this idea and concept that you can be an individual Christian and live a biblical life. You cannot. You cannot. There's too much stuff inherently written in Scripture that talks about the power of the body of Christ on earth. Now, this affects all kinds of things, right? Um, it's corrupted our contemporary understanding of the gospel, our call to function as the church, the people of God. The result is shallow, superficial relationships, an absence of life-giving community, and a lack of power demonstrated because it's only when the church comes into unity that we can release the manifold wisdom of God and challenge principalities and powers, yes, right? Sir. Yes, sir. It's even re resulted in an individualistic, unbiblical approach to missions. The church is called to influence the whole world with the gospel of Christ, and that is hindered because of our view and our, our, our approach of ind individualism. You know, missionaries are not meant to operate solo. And I know it's happened for centuries. In Acts, we see clearly the apostles, the sent ones, and their five-fold ministry team was dynamically part of the church. Sent out from a local church like Antioch, right? Bringing back reports to Antioch's leadership. These folks worked from a local church family and developed relationships within a network of churches connected to that church and apostolic team. See, we don't just give money because people have good ideas about like sharing Jesus. We build a strategic missions plan through those called to do that work, apostolic teams. It's why we give and support build. They're just one apostolic team that's a global apostolic team that's planted in a local church and using that church as a headquarters to just spread the gospel and dispatch teams and work with leaders and churches. I said all that to say this is the problem that comes. There's a whole list of problems that comes from people having an individualistic mindset. And it has to be broken if we want to see the manifold wisdom of God released through the church. So I want to hit Galatians 5 because, you know, this is one of Paul's early letters. It's one of Paul's letters that challenged people to be established in the gospel. And you're like, oh, well, I got that. I'm saved. Hallelujah. I believe in Jesus. But there's so many ways that we aren't established in the gospel. And this is Paul's early letters were about being established in the, in the gospel and then he moves on into, you know, like working through the vision and mission of the church. And he brings us to a place of maturity where we like can really get in, in established in the more mature things. But folks, most Christians are not established in the gospel. They just aren't. To them, it's an individualistic thing where they say a prayer to get saved individually. And that is not the gospel. I want to look at Galatians 5 because this is the heart of it. This is like the climax of, of the Lord challenging his church to rise up and be established in the gospel. Okay, It starts in verse five, chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ sets you free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. See, before you were saved... You were burdened. You were a slave, whether you knew it or not, either to your own self, your own efforts, trusting in yourself. You were a slave. 
And it was for freedom that Christ set you free, that you no longer are a slave. You were a bondservant of the living God. And Paul said, too, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. Now, some of you guys just gasped and went, what do I do? Well, let's break it down. We're going to talk about this. And what did Paul mean? Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You are, not, you are trying to be justified by the law and have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Now, this is a real simple matter, right? It's about the motive of your heart for your actions. Genesis 17, God told the people they have no place in his family without being circumcised. It was a sign of the cutting away of every bit of self-reliance, cutting away of the flesh, cutting away of any, any sufficiency other than Christ Jesus, the center. He is my trust, my... Well, so that's why he said, unless you're circumcised, you have no right to be part of my family, no right to be part of my people. So then Christ comes, and he fulfills the law by living perfect. Perfect obedience to the Father, no mistakes. And says, this law, folks, was a tutor. I'm not coming to eliminate it. I'm coming to fulfill it, training you in righteousness. However, you were unable to live perfectly. So the law, a tutor, becomes an instrument of death, Showing humans that they can't live through their own efforts and fulfill everything in the law. And we know from Scripture that if you don't fulfill one aspect of the law, you're guilty of all of them. You have no hope. So Christ said, I've come to fulfill the law. All you have to do is receive my sacrifice on the cross, which that sacrifice on the cross removes the penalty for sin. Doesn't remove sin, it removes the penalty of sin in your life. Not living the law without fail has been removed. The penalty for not living the law is removed. Now, some people are like, oh, that's great, you know, excellent, so I can do what I want. No, you still have an expectation to live righteously. And we're going to get into that a little bit here. But don't say no one's perfect, so it doesn't matter. It does. It's the whole reason Jesus went to the cross, so that you could live in the righteousness of Christ without having to worry about this weighty penalty because you messed up once. Ooh, come on. And then he goes further. Jesus is like, not only that, but I'm going to give you my spirit. Oh, my God. I've sent the Holy Spirit to live inside you, to enable you to live beyond your abilities as a human. You'll express this miracle for the world to see. It's much like what Terry shared, much like what Craig shared, where the Holy Spirit living in you causes you to change in a way you couldn't before. And people start taking notice. Why? Because they're seeing the power of God active in your life. It's his handiwork. They will know me as a living God who loves his people and allows people to see 
that a person's able to live beyond their own ability and capacity if they obey and place him first. So, two people can be circumcised and each can have different heart motives. This was back in this day. In the first case that we're talking about where Paul says, if you are circumcised, you will have no place with the Lord. Well, it's because back then there were people who were saying, you know what? The cross isn't enough. You need to get circumcised and follow all of the law or you won't be saved. And so there were people who were literally saying, oh no, I'm not circumcised. I need to get circumcised because otherwise I can't be saved. A work of their own effort to try to win approval from God and it is impossible because even if you do 10 things right, you're going to miss something up. Paul's like, that's what he was saying. You know, you, you, Christ is of no value if you aren't receiving him and trying to do your own works. Because we know in Acts 16, in another instance, Paul circumcised Timothy before a mission trip because there were certain Jews that would stumble over the fact that he's not circumcised. So it's obviously not circumcision. It's the, the motive. What is the purpose? And what is the purpose that you do things like read your Bible and pray? Well, if the purpose is you want to prove that and earn Christ's acceptance because you're doing the right things, I'm telling you, folks, you have missed it. You are just as bad as those who got circumcised and weren't circumcised to try to win God's favor and approval. Now, if you're reading your word and praying because your heart longs for him and you want to, quote, unquote, lift your sail and catch the work of the Spirit to transform you, that's a whole other deal. You're not doing it to earn God's favor. You're doing it because you're like, man, he has set me free from the penalty of sin and death. I am free in Christ. Come on. And then you begin to fast. You begin to pray. You begin to read your Bible every day. You're like breathing, living for Christ. You want to obey him. That is a sign of hunger for God. And that should be applauded. Because you're not trying to earn God's favor. You're not trying to earn salvation. You're trying to lift your sail and say, God, breathe upon me. Change me. Cause me to grow. This is a big deal. Really big deal. It's not about trying to get justified by doing something. It's about reaching culture more effectively, saying, God, use me as a witness. And, you know, so that's why Paul said, listen, we're going to remove any stumbling block. Come on, Timothy. I'm going to circumcise you right here on the spot. Ah. <laughs> Timothy's like, oh, Lord, I need grace strength father i didn't realize this was going to have to happen but he said whatever i need to do for the cause right and so he did verse 5 of galatians 5 for through the spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope for in christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. He's basically saying, it's all a moot point. Unless it's for this cultural thing, trying to win someone to the Lord. Do what you need to do. The only thing that counts, it says in the scripture in verse 6, is faith 
expressing itself through love. The only thing that matters, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Verse 7, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. He's basically, Paul is calling out and saying, you have been deceived and led astray by a lie. And I'm telling you folks, we don't understand how this has infiltrated our lives and our minds and our families and our hearts. One little lie can mess all kinds of things up. So Paul was exposing the enemy. And this is why we desperately need to be established. Even the best of us are trapped in lies and false perceptions that don't come from Scripture. It doesn't come from God. It comes from the world. And it invades the way you live and think. The way you think. And then that thought manifests in the way you live. And the only way to get free from that is to have, that's why we have first principles. We have first principles. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. I was in ministry 20 years, maybe 25, full time, giving myself to the work of the Lord. And I was rocked. Why? Because I started engaging with the word of God and discussion with others where they challenged and caused me to think. And I studied the word and then heard other people's thoughts. And sometimes you hear some people talk and you're like, Oh, uh, what? What are you talking about? And you start challenging them with the scripture and then they, they argue back and you start realizing like, wow, I did, didn't have a handle on this. First principles, folks, there's no way. I don't care if you've been in it. You know, it's not about jumping through hoops. It's about being transformed by the living word of God. And if you've been through it once and you're not doing something else, Go through it again. Go through it again. Go through it again. We got to be challenged and enter in. We have to become these superhuman people. As we were called to be, we cannot just become stagnant. You don't like earn a little chip and you put it on your, your chest and say, see, I'm part of the Jesus Club now. And then you kick back and say, well, five years ago I became part of the Jesus Club. No, it's about a life, a calling to be transformed for your entire life. Walking in the power of God, becoming a witness, becoming a wise winner of souls. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, verse 9. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you'll take no other view. The one, is throwing, the one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, your mother, your father, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. God forbid if it's not a church leadership. We'll have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, listen to this, guys. I wish they'd go all the way and emasculate themselves. Paul's speaking like really 
really strongly. Like, these people are so bad and so wicked, I wish they'd cut it all off. (laughs) Why? Why is he so harsh? Because a little error contaminates the whole message. It literally causes the cross to have no effect. It disables the power of the kingdom. Because people start trusting in themselves rather than Christ. Little errors, folks. You know, these weren't people who were going, circumcise yourselves. <laughs> I'm the devil. They're people who are justifying their actions. Saying, well, what's wrong with doing everything we can to make ourselves in right standing with God? Little errors, little lies. And little lies, folks, mess your whole life up and disable all the power of God from flowing through it. Little lies. Little lies. The enemy says, well, you know, because of what's happened to you, you're really not able to minister to others. Show me one scripture that talks about anything in your past disabling God from using you and choosing you and moving through you. There's nothing. That's who he moves and chooses. That's your license. I am an imperfect human. God's chosen to move through you. Let's go, man. Let's go. Thanks, Sai. I'm glad you're out there. We got a room with you, man. We got a room. Okay, okay. Because it's rough over here, I'm telling you. (laughs) Come on, brother. Yeah, we're a bunch of weak people who God uses up in here. Amen. Amen. So, let's just talk about the gospel here. Talk about a few things. One is, the gospel is really simple. Like I said before, Christ comes, he fulfills the law by living perfect. He is in complete obedience to the Father and makes no mistakes. And then says the law was a tutor, training you in righteousness. However, you're unable to live this out because you don't have the power. You need the Holy Spirit to live perfect and mature, right? So, you've been separated from God who is perfect. Then Christ gave himself as a sacrifice, and the penalty for messing up is completely removed because he becomes the penalty. He takes the penalty for sin, sin, which is death, on himself and gives himself to the cross. And then the Holy Spirit raises him from the dead because he's perfect. He didn't have to pay a penalty of sin, and he breaks the curse off of all humanity. This is incredible. Then he sends his spirit to live inside you, to enable you to live beyond your human abilities. You will express his miracle for all the world to see. Your life becomes a miracle. They will know God as the living God who loves his people and allows them to live beyond their ability if they obey and place him first. So, first of all, Christ models a life of dependence on his father. Now, this is key. It defies individualism of our day. Christ doesn't come and show up and set an example as this isolated, independent life. He even had disciples that he walked with and was training in this new way of Christ and the apostles. In our context, it's a life dependent on the other parts of the body of Christ. You are not everything. I hope you don't really believe this. You, many believe it by the way they live because they say, oh, I just got Jesus. That's all I need. I'm living my own life. Oh, yeah, we do church at home. Listen, folks, 
like pray at home. Turn your home into a church, a mission base, with your family and everything like that. But there, it's a lot more than that that causes you to walk in the fullness. It's, it's like beginning to take your family and hook them into a family of families called a church that's part of an apostolic network of churches where there's government and leadership and there's this plan that's bigger than ourselves. There's a reason that we support another global apostolic team to do the work of the gospel because we realize it's not all about us and Life Alliance Network. We believe there's, there's something that we can be a part of that's greater than us, and that's why we're part of reaching, you know, 75% of all the churches in India. We're reaching like three out of four dynasties in China. All of this, we're contributing to this work going across 61 nations. Talking about first principles, getting people established in the work. These people are risking their lives. They're being martyred. They're living genuine, authentic faith. They're not just lone rangers that are kind of doing their thing because they're like, I want to reach Jesus. Oh, we'll support you. Like, I'm hitting this hard, folks, because I'm trying to challenge our unbiblical way of thinking. We're individualistic. We want things on our terms. We're entitled to do what we want to do, right? Because we're an American. But I'll tell you what the same thing, right, is happening, right, in Scotland and in Europe and in South Africa, in Australia and New Zealand and Russia. All over the place. People all have, it's a human pandemic of individualism. You are not everything. I am not everything. You're one instrument in a divine orchestra. Think about that. You are one part of a living system called the church. The family of God that was created by God to nourish itself. Every part supplying the body with life and energy. It's like a circulatory system is pumping nutrients throughout the entire body, every part of it. All the different systems working together. If one thing is out of whack, our whole body perishes. Everything shuts down. We're like, what is wrong with me? Well, something's out of out of alignment, out of order. This is how the body of Christ works. You know, and it's not just this, you're like, oh, I know, Big C Church. Yeah, I know, yeah, I'm part of the Big C Church. And you hide behind these big lofty terms and you escape responsibility for aligning your heart with God. It's way beyond you. You're not, you're not like connected to the Big C Church in reality. I mean, I know biblically we are, but I'm saying you aren't connecting that way. Some of the apostolic team is, is tasting a little bit of it. They're visiting different networks and different streams, and they're connecting all over the place. Not just like, oh, yeah, I have a, I have a contact in this denomination. I'm not talking about that. To get a real feel of the Big C Church, you got to be extensively networked and involved and, and working with leaders in all different streams. Most people aren't that way. You can't identify with the Big C Church. You can identify with a local church like the Crossing. 
You can identify, plug in, you can serve, you can connect, you can be intimately aware of all the dynamics of the big C church because you're part of a small C church. And you know what it's like to be annoyed by people next to you. Well, that happens in the big C church too. Why? Because we are diverse gifts. And I'll tell you what, like, extroverts annoy introverts. They're like, oh my gosh, like, what is their problem? And like extroverts are like, are you alive or what? What is your problem? You never talk. You just sit there. Like I'm saying, it's, it's a human condition. And people who are different than you, you have a hard time with until you mature and you start going, I like those introverts. They're deep thinkers and they'll just come out with these zingers that go, oh, that's profound. Yeah, because I've been sitting in quietness, meditating, thinking through these things. Lord, release the zingers. <laughs> yeah, release the zingers, Lord, from the introverts. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you know what? It's true, too, because then people who are introvert, this is just one aspect of a lot of different character traits we can just explore. But... I'm saying then it doesn't only happen with like you're annoyed by someone different than you. Then if there's like the extrovert is much more publicly expressed. So then if you're an introvert, you feel like I'm a loser. I can't publicly express like that. And then you feel inferior, but you shouldn't believe that lie. You were created for your express personality. Now, does it mean you can't grow and express yourself in worship? We're all called to be extroverts in worship, all of us. We're all called to display the glory, to Amen. lift up Come a on. sacrifice. Yes. So I'm on. not going there like, oh, I'm an introvert, so I just sit like this. No, because otherwise you wouldn't be called to lift up holy hands and let release a shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph, that kind of thing, okay? I'm just saying you're created the way you are because you're called to fill a certain place in the body. And if you don't fill it, we all are malnourished. We got to embrace our differences and say, like, I love you. You're so quiet. We need to start appreciating people who are more risk-adverse and people are who are more like, Oh, whoa, 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 slow down. Like, oh, I have some concerns here. People who are more oriented on building and expanding, people who are more concerned about developing quality and real intimacy and health. Everyone needs to work together here. The local church family is meant to be modeled after one thing, the Trinity. A community of God that is interdependent and ordered, authentic, relational, intimate. Think about that. Jesus is one with the Father and the Spirit, and they're interdependent, but there's still a government authority and order. Jesus didn't say, well, I am one with the Father. I can do what I want to do. I am 100% God. He said, no, I'm submitting everything and obeying totally the Father God. In it, he demonstrates, like, you know, you have these movements, even in, like, different church movements and everything, that they're saying, oh, we're all equal. No one's different. That is such a big lie. Like, how in the world, you know how miserable it would be for just one person in a midst of apostles that are all wanting to reach the world and you're not like them? 
Or do you know how terrible it would be to be in a church full of people who just want to be healthy and love one another? And an apostle's going, good Lord, open the doors, open the windows. There's like a world to be won. Like, there's these tensions in the body. And we got to begin to like, let there be order. Let there be diversity. Let there be this church that's modeled after Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Very different. Then, then I want to just touch a little bit on, you know, the fact that we've been given the Holy Spirit. This is those three parts of like, you know, basically Christ came, fulfilled the law. Christ gave himself as a sacrifice. Then he sent the Spirit in us to live and empower us. He enabled us to live superhumanly. You'll express this miracle for all the world to see. They'll know God is a living God who cares for his people, loves them, and enables to live, let them live supernaturally. Now, if you've been serving God for years and you still struggle with sin and lies on a regular basis, I want to tell you, there is a disconnect in your heart and the Holy Spirit. It is impossible for the Holy Spirit to live in you and you are connecting to that Spirit and not be radically transformed. It's like the Holy Spirit in your heart has been unplugged. And you're like, I don't know. I don't see much change. I still struggle. Oh, Lord, help me. Oh, I'm so weak. You need an awakening. You need to find the plug and plug it in the socket. And let the generator who created the heavens and earth start surging intel into who you are. I'm telling you, folks, I'm telling you, if you're disappointed with your life, it's your fault. You've been given everything for life and godliness. Everything. We've been given everything. The power that can raise people from the dead, create stuff out of nothing. He lives in you. And you're like, oh, woe is me. I'm a loser. You're listening to the wrong person. You need to plug into the, into the Spirit of God and let Him start changing the way you think. Oh, God, we need an awakening. He's dedicated and to comforting and strengthening you. Nothing will be more than you can handle. Listen to verse 13. We're Coming to a close here. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We're still in Galatians 5. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I'll tell you, I, I, just, I want you to ask yourself, would, do you enjoy being rejected and isolated? And left out. Well then, no. We want to be embraced and be a part. Well then help others get embraced and, and become a part. Really. Like if we would just start thinking rationally. Like what do I want? How do I want to be treated? Well then treat others that way. You can't, well until I'm treated that way, I'm not going to treat others that way. That's not how it works. Right? Right? Would you like to be forgiven? Then you must forgive the worst. It doesn't mean you trust, though. 
Trust takes time. Trust is built. Trust is earned. But you have no right to hold on forgiveness. Would you like to be others to be patient with you as you grow? Well, then be super patient with others. Do you notice there's some people out there that want to be treated patiently, and then the minute someone messes up, they're like, and you call yourself Christian. Who are you, do you think? It's someone who's expecting others to do what they're not doing. That's the worst kind of parent. Oh, don't, 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 don't watch what I do. Listen to what I say. Well, shame on you. Shame on you. You tell your kids not to be disrespectful and raise your voice, but fathers, you sit there and you yell at your wives in front of them? Shame on you. Start living like Christ. Let Christ manifest through your life. Like, let's stop being hypocrites. You tell your kids, you know, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't go out and party and have sex before marriage, and you're sleeping around in front of them. God, Lord, you think that that is not going to speak more powerfully? Listen, and I want you all to know, I'm not thinking of anybody in my mind right now. Because I could, I guarantee, like, did you hear he was talking about? No, I'm just trying to be so, so specific to help you see the truth. That's it. I have not one person in my mind. If you are sleeping around, stop sleeping around. So then you don't have to, like, say, oh, is he talking about me? No, I don't even know who I'm talking about. I'm just telling you, specifically, we got to start living the word in a way that communicates Jesus. Truth, right? If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. See, it's not saying, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. It's not a whole list of what not to do. He's saying, listen, one simple thing. Go after God. Serve Him with your whole heart. Be filled with the Spirit, and you won't have to worry about any of it. Come on. Come on. Yes. I mean, it's simple. Come on, that should be like, yahoo! We're free. You have been set free. <laughs> so just pursue him and everything else falls off. We're not in this behavior modification thing. People aren't sitting here going, you better stop, you better stop. If you start serving the Lord, everything just starts falling off. Just falls off. Yes, come on, man. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Yeah. See, this is it. We aren't entitled to do what we want to do. But if we're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And I'm telling you, folks, none of you want to be under the law. None of you, because you mess up once, you're completely disqualified. One little thing, and there's too much. Just read Leviticus, and your head starts spinning, like going, oh my gosh, I'm dizzy. Of all the regulations and what you can and can't do, it's impossible. It takes years of studying just that to know what to do, and then you have to start practicing it, and you're like, oh, I, I forgot number 1,021. <laughs> and then you mess up. 
And he's like, if you're led by the Spirit, if you receive my sacrifice on the cross, the penalty's removed. You can just give your, all your energy to pursuing the Lord and just let him do the rest. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Which, what does the Bible say about stubbornness? Self-ambition, right? It's the, the root of all evil, doing what you want, right? It's so simple. The Lord is simple. Hatred, discord, jealousy. Bits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. Factions are anything that splits two pieces apart. You do something that splits people apart, you are factious. Factious, fascist. And envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, we're going to close on verse 22. Two, 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 two. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meaning you do... You follow through what's expected. Gentleness. Self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is your challenge today. Pursue the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Amen. Or, like some people say, the end. I challenge you not to take this with, with simplicity to where you're like, oh yeah, I've heard this before, I know all about this. I mean, listen, this stuff is so serious. This basic stuff is so serious that most of us bypass it and we go on to bigger things like, hallelujah, I need to hear from the audible voice of God. I want to see an angel. And God's like, oh, oh, but, but you reek with arrogance. If I gave you one little experience like that, you would become a terror and you'd, you'd go off a cliff because you think you got this revelation no one else has. You have no humility. You're arrogant. I'm telling you folks, we got to focus on the basics. We got to go back to the basics. We got to build strongholds of these things and stop trying to get these incredible things to happen when they happen wherever God is. And they happen more easily through a life that's just submitted to him and saying, Lord, let your will be done. My whole heart is yours, Lord. Transform me. And the things we thought, oh, if I could only preach this powerful message, people would get saved. And he's like, no, if you just let me live in you, I will lead so many to the Lord and you won't open your mouth. 
be exactly like what Craig said. Terry, there's tons more of you out there. Let God live through you. Lift your sails. Say, God, just fill it. Let it billow with transformed living. Oh. Come on, let's pray. Come on, just give yourself to the Lord. Just say, Lord, do that in me. Do that in me. Just simply do that in me. I just make you the center, Lord. I'm, I'm so sorry for making so many demands of what my preferences are. I'd rather this, I'd rather that, the way I like it. Forgive me, Lord. Come on, part of it is acknowledging, Lord, you've placed me in this place for such a time as this. I'm here, right here in New Hampshire, or in some surrounding community. And for some reason, I'm here, I'm planted here. Lord, teach me, show me. How do I interact? How do I engage? How do I become a blessing to you rather than try to meet my needs and meet my expectations and my preferences? Forgive me, Lord, for looking to others to meet my needs instead of coming to you and then being a blessing and blessing others. Forgive me for my self-centeredness, my selfishness, my selfish ambition. Always looking to what I want and what I need. Lord, do a paradigm shift in the way I think. Let me see it's not about me, it's about you and what you want to do to bless other people. Lord, I surrender my heart. I ask you to move through me, move in me. Change my mind, change the way I think, change, let it change the way I live. Lord, I pray that this, this seismic shift in people's lives and their understanding would cause men to rise up as fathers who express Christ to their wife and their kids. Lord, I pray that it would cause a shift of people saying, here I am. Use me in this church. This is my family. I want to be used. I want to be implemented, engaged. Lord, I pray for a supernatural encounter today in people's hearts and minds. Give them the next step, Lord God. Pour out your spirit right now, Lord. Break off lies. Every lie of the enemy, break it off, Lord. Let truth come up. Let hope come up in Jesus' name. Break off fear right now. Come on, Josiah, help me pray here. to our hearts and minds even now we open wide our heart and minds let your word find entrance into our heart and bring light and bring understanding bring conviction fill us with the knowledge of your will God with spiritual wisdom and understanding that we could course correct that we could order our life according to your word and walk worthy of you in every respect and bear fruit in keeping in step with your spirit Search us, know us, uproot every offensive way. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh God.
come, Lord, and dismantle every area of the soul that leads to disorder and every evil practice. Every place of ungodly fruit, I pray, oh God, that you would shine light on the roots, the beliefs, the things that we have not seen in you, God. I pray that you'd open the eyes of our heart to see Christ as crucified, that we'd see the finished work, the exchanged life and the grace, the liberty and freedom available to us in your Son. Break in to our mind. Break in to our hearts. Crash in upon our rationality. Break into every vain imagination and loose the light of the knowledge of God revealed in the face of Christ. Break religion. Break every form of human striving and bring us into the fullness of grace. Of grace and truth. Because of your fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Teach us to glory in the grace of God and forsake boasting and reliance upon the strength of the flesh. We renounce any ambition to find a righteousness of our own rooted in our own efforts, our own works. We declare our reliance upon Jesus Christ. You are our righteousness. You are our good. You are our wisdom from God. We boast in you all day long. Be magnified. Be glorified in our life. Open the eyes of our understanding. Come on, I pray, even now, just pray for yourself. Lord, where my heart is not seeing the truth in a fresh way that allows me to partake of the power of God and the nature of God. Open my eyes. Open my understanding. Help me taste and see afresh today the goodness of God. Come on, respond to God. Come on, ask Him in your own life, your own heart. Let's just speak out to Him right now.